0: Welcome to the Gregory Out Podcast.
1: I think the Lord wants you to know he's got you surrounded. You're surrounded with his love. You're surrounded with his favor. If you just look through the Bible, you can see so many things. You might feel like you're surrounded with sickness. You're surrounded with bills, financial stress, surrounded by fear, anxiety, depression, whatever. But God always surrounds you. God, what he surrounds you with far outdoes and outperforms anything the enemy has surrounded you with. Remember when they said the servant of Elijah said, or Elisha said, I, we're surrounded by the enemy. And what did Elijah do? He said, Lord, I pray that your servant's eyes will be open and he will see that there are more for us than those against us. And as soon as Elisha prayed, his servants saw chariots of fire all around them. Because guess what? God has you surrounded with his favor. God has you surrounded with his love. God has you surrounded with his grace. God has you surrounded with his goodness and mercy, which are following you all the days of your life. And whatever the enemy has sent to defeat you. God has bent to complete you. And I'm telling you this, that you got to believe today. God's trying to tell you you're surrounded by his love. You're surrounded by God's presence. You're surrounded by angels. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around, around, around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord encamps around you. Everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. You need to be delivered from something. Father, I thank you for freedom, deliverance. I pray for peace in every home, in every family. I pray for your presence to be felt by everyone today. Everyone within the sound of our voice today, I pray they would feel your presence, they would feel your peace, they would feel your power. They would be awakened to your purpose for their lives. Lord, right where we each are in the church at home, in the church, in our living room, in our family room, in our kitchen, in the sanctuary. Thank you, Lord, for your presence being felt deeply and powerfully today. Oh, there's healing flowing right now, just receive healing. The gift of healing is flowing in your home right now. Just lay hands on one another right in your home. Lay hands on the sick. These signs will follow those who believe these signs just don't follow me. They don't just follow me as a pastor, as a preacher. They follow you. They follow anyone who believes lay hands on a sick loved one right now. If you get your family surrounded around the computer wherever you're watching and let's let's lay hands on one another. Yes. It's going to be all right to lay hands on one another. Yes, God's word is still true. Just lay hands on your family members right now. We just declare blessing, the blessing of healing, the blessing of miracles. If anyone is sick, call your loved one right now and tell them we're praying for you. We're praying for their healing. If anyone is sick, let them call for the elders. Well, you call me, you opened up your computer, you opened up your television, you opened up your your phone and you got me. And the Bible says, That we shall pray the prayer of faith and the one who's sick shall be healed. So, Lord, we declare and pray the prayer of faith for everyone watching. We pray for healing from physical sickness, disease. We pray for healing for emotional sickness and pain. We pray for healing in people's bodies. Healing in people's relationships. Healing in people's homes. Healing in people's marriages. Healing in people's hearts. Healing in people's souls. Healing in your mind. Healing in your emotions. Healing in your family. Healing in your body. Healing in your finances. Healing flows. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is the healer. And He is healing you now. In Jesus' name. Just say, I receive it. Just say that I receive it. I receive my healing by his stripes. I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. Let us know where you're watching from. Continue to communicate with us. Let's continue to stay in complete contact with one another. And let's continue to pray for one another. Let's continue to believe God for the open doors that no man can close, opening up our communities, opening up our church doors, opening up business. Let's believe for the doors to open that no man can close. And let's believe for your healing and your freedom and your deliverance. Hey, wherever you are, go ahead and take a seat. We're going to continue to worship the Lord by giving to the Lord in our tithes and offerings. And I'd like to take a moment and just encourage you and remind you, God spoke to me when this whole thing started because I was bracing myself for people calling the church to say, I got I I got laid off and we don't have any money and our finances are falling apart. I was expecting, I mean, I I hate to admit it, but I was expecting people to to really struggle financially. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm confessing this is wrong thinking, but God stopped me. Hey, So everybody gets a second chance. God stopped me and he said, hey, he said this and I quote, this is what God spoke to me. He said, believe me for increase, not decrease. You can have decrease on your own, he said. But with me, I will give you increase. And then I began to pray for you and I began to talk about that. I actually talked about it a couple weeks ago, but this is what the first day, the first week that the lockdown occurred, pandemic was everybody around the world. And God said he's going to increase us. He wasn't just talking about increasing the church, but he was talking about increasing you and increasing me and increase anyone who will take him at his word. So I prophesy over you increase. I prophesy increase over your finances, increase over favor in your life, increase over um, increase over love and increase in the love in your family and increase an increase of the knowledge of God, an increase uh, in your breakthroughs, an increase in our church and saving souls and winning people to Jesus, an increase in missions, an increase in evangelism, an increase in family members salvation, an increase in your finances too. you know, so that's what I just wrote it down because that's how God spoke it to me. He said, hey, look, remember in Exodus chapter 10, verse twenty two, it says Moses stretched out his hands towards the sky and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days or three months. How long we've been you know, cooped up. Right. But he said all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, you and me are the sons of God. The Israel represented the sons of God at that time, sons and daughters of God. He said, while there was darkness everywhere except for the sons of Israel, they had light in their dwellings. God is a contrarian in many ways. While the world is experiencing sickness, God releases healing. When the world has experienced darkness, God releases light. When the world is experiencing fear, God releases faith. When the world has experienced the the curse and all these negative, um, negative forces of darkness, God releases the blessing. And I want you to know that Pharaoh's got to let you go because you belong to God. you've got to let your family go because you belong to God. So God is a contrarian. So when there's lack and famine, God gives increase and abundance to prove that he is the only God and that he can be counted on. And he is faithful. And that's why I'll share one more quick passage with you and we'll get ready to give in Genesis twenty six. It says in verse one that there was a famine in the land. Notice what he says here. There was this great famine in the land besides the previous famine that came to the days of Abraham. Now, Isaac went to King Abimelech of the Philistines and the Lord appeared to him. Now, listen, Isaac is about to go. When it's a time of famine, he's going to go to the world, quote unquote, to Egypt, to the Philistines, to the people without a covenant. And he's going to try to borrow or try to ask them to help him. But God appears to him and says, don't go down to Egypt, Egypt in the Bible. Nothing against our Egyptian brothers and sisters watching right now. But Egypt in the Bible symbolizes the world's way, the world's wealth, the world's system at that time. And God said, don't go down to Egypt. Stay in the land that I tell you. Sojourn in this land and I will bless you and I will be with you And then if you look at verse 26 or excuse me, verse 12 of chapter twenty six, notice what happened. So God tells Isaac, stay. Don't go down to Egypt. Don't trust in the world system. Trust me. I'm going to bless you. And Isaac sowed in that land. What land? It was the land of famine. Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. You see, God gave him increase even in a time of famine. God made him, it says, and the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. This was God doing this in his life. And I'm not saying everybody who gives is going to be a millionaire. Everybody who gives is going to be rich. What I'm trying to explain to you is is that God is not limited by what's happening in the world to provide your need and to supply you with what you need in your life. God's not limited. So trust him. And how do we show that we trust him? We plant our seed. We give. We sow into others, he says. in, um, Where is it in um, Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 24 in the amp or in the message Bible? The world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And then look at what he says in verse twenty five. He says he blesses the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. When you give your tithes and offerings, you're blessing others. You're helping us reach people in our community and reach the world with the gospel. But it's also going to come back to you and your world is going to get larger and larger. Lord, bless each person indeed as they give today. Would you take out, take a moment and give your offering, give your tithe, give your offering today all around this world, people are giving online and in our church. I believe that you're going to see increase, not decrease. I truly believe that while there's darkness, there's going to be light in your house while there may be lack in this world. There's going to be abundance in your world. Get ready to receive it. And let's sow accordingly. So, what did Isaac do in the land of famine? He sowed in that land. And I believe just as he reaped in that same year, you're gonna reap this year. Your turnaround is this year. I'm prophesying to you: your turnaround, your increase is this year. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and give. There's many ways you can give, as you know. You can give online. It's the best, fastest, easiest way to give lifechangerschurch.com open up another window and click click the give tab and give that way of course you can text to give another great way 77977 if you have our app you can give on our app if you would like to if you prefer to call the church you can certainly do that 847-645-9100 you can so send your seed sow it in the mail you can drop it off whichever way you releases your faith, activates your faith, whichever way is most convenient for you. Take advantage of the technology that we have. And we're all learning more and more about technology. I bet some of you are, you know, using Zoom. You know, the only Zoom you remember is when the Roadrunner beep beep Zoom, you'd see the word Zoom on the cartoon of the Roadrunner. Remember that? And then people. And that's all I knew about Zoom until somebody told me that it was a way to talk to people online and see everybody. But um, it's funny, you know, we Necessity is the mother of invention. Right. And uh, when when necessary, we, were, we are going to solve problems. We're going to find the answers. And that's the way God wired us to be problem solvers, not not complainers, but problem solvers. Amen. That's who you are. Let's pray over our offering. If you're getting ready to give, let's pray together. And I believe sow in the time of famine, don't wait for things to get better. Sow your seed now and you're always going to see things get better. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Lord, I just bless and speak increase over everyone as they give today. Thank you for the souls that are going to be saved as a result. The lives that are going to be changed. Thank you, Lord, for giving people ideas, inventions, business ideas, open doors, better jobs, supernatural increase. Insights, concepts and ideas in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much for staying connected. Thank you so much for having this one on one church experience with us and with me. You one can put a thousand to flight two can put 10,000 to flight. We have a multiplied exponential power when we're in agreement and when we're together, when we're connected. So thank you for connecting with me. I'm believing for great things to happen in your life. And, and we'll be announcing when you know, we our plan, as soon as it all comes together and we have everything ironed out exactly as God's leading us to open the doors of the church at some point soon. Obviously, we can't wait a year and all these months that some of the media is talking about or some of the governors are saying God's going to have this. God's going to have the final say here. God's going to have the final say in your life. So just trust, follow you know, the spiritual leadership that God's given you here If this is your church home and family and everything's going to be all right, everything, let's stay together, let's stay connected, let's not let the the enemy divide us politically or divide us uh, ethnically or divide us racially. Let's be one. Let's be one. Let there be no divisions among you. Paul said in First Corinthians one verse ten, let there be no divisions among you. Amen. Let's stay united because when we're united, that's how the anointing flows how good and how pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity there. The Lord commands the blessing. Get ready to receive and stay tuned. Um, At the end of the service, we're going to do a worship song, one of my favorites. And I think you're really going to love that. Our team's going to do that for you and bless you. Um, But let's uh, let's get into God's word today. I want to talk to you about how the Holy Spirit moves in your life, how the Holy Spirit moves in your life. Well, there's nothing more important than for you to know when Jesus rose from the dead before he rose. Actually, he told his disciples, I'm going to go die. I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to go back to heaven. But when I do go back to heaven, I'm going to send you my spirit. And the Bible says that the Lord told his disciples don't leave Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high Acts, chapter one, verse eight. He says this and he said, look, The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And he said, and you're going to be my witnesses, you're going to receive power. Everybody say that power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. And the Holy Spirit works in the remotest parts of the earth. He said, we're going to go into the to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the remotest parts of the earth. You know, when persecution hit the church in the book of Acts, it says they were so heavily persecuted that they scattered and the word of God grew mightily and multiplied and prevailed even more. So no matter what the devil does against us, we have the Holy Spirit who is going to use you right where you're at. He's going to multiply the gospel, whatever the devil does, God's going to outdo. He already has the plan. God already has the plan. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. But what's God's plan? But I have come that you would have life in abundance to the full till it overflows For the devil has unleashed demonic spirits in the earth through his rebellion. So what does God do? He sends the greater spirit, the greatest spirit, the Holy Spirit. And In John, chapter 16, verse seven, he says, when the Holy when I sent, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. How many want an advantage today in your life? You you ready for an advantage when you have the advantage over the enemy? He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I think I shared this with you from the Amplified Bible in verse seven. I'll say it again. In verse seven of the Amplified Bible, he says, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good and expedient and advantageous for you that I go away. Jesus is saying it's better for you that I go away. Why? Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby. Remember, we talked about all these characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He said, if I don't go away, then he who carries all the comfort, he that carries all the counsel, he that carries the help, that carries the advocate, the, the, he is the advocate in our lives, the intercessor, the strengthener, the encourager, the standby. He can't come into close fellowship with you unless I go away. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Wow, the Holy Spirit is God in you. You see, The father is God for you. The son is God with you, you know, Emmanuel, God with us and the spirit, the Holy Spirit is God in you. He is inside of every born again child of God, you know that you have everything you need inside of you because God lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But even though he lives inside of you, we need to learn how to activate his power or how to how he moves in our lives. What is it that the Holy Spirit? What is it that causes the Holy Spirit to operate in our lives? And I want to make it very clear in a couple of moments, but I want you to see something here that will really help you understand that in the. um, In the I'm going to read a, a verse of scripture to you in the Dewey realms in the Dewey Rames Bible in verse eight and verse nine of John, Chapter 16. So he talks about sending the Holy Spirit and says, and when he comes. Now, this is very important. And the reason I'm reading this to you from this translation is because it is the most accurate translation of the word that we have assumed, the word convict. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. But the word convict is actually the word convince the the root of the word and the the fundamental definition of this word, the original definition of this word is not convict. It is convict, but it means convince. But we've taken it to mean convict means that the Holy Spirit points out what you're doing wrong. The Holy Spirit points out that you're such a sinner. The Holy Spirit points out that you should be judged. The Holy Spirit points out that you're not righteous. But Jesus is not saying that at all. He's saying when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convince the world of sin, what what sin actually is, and of righteousness and of judgment. And watch what he says. He'll convince he'll convince the world of what is the Holy Spirit here to convince us of of sin, because they believe not in me. So he's God, the Holy Spirit doesn't convince you or he's not convicting you. Uh, that you had lust in your life. He's not convict, He's not convicting you that you got angry. You already know you got angry. You don't need the Holy Spirit to convince you that you got angry. What he is convincing us of is that we, we're not believing in him. The thing that the Holy Spirit wants to convince you of is how to believe he wants to convince you that Jesus is enough. He wants to convince you that Jesus did enough. He wants to convince you that the sin that that separates us from God is not believing in Jesus finished work, not believing in Jesus, he said, and of righteousness, because I go to the father, you're not going to see me. So the Holy Spirit's going to remind you that you're the righteousness of God. And he said concerning judgment, he's not it's not the Holy Spirit convicting you. You deserve to be judged. He's convincing you that the prince of this world has already been judged, that the devil has already been judged. You see, it puts a whole new look, puts a whole new it gives you a whole new understanding of what the Holy Spirit does. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit comes to do is convince us to convince us to believe, to convince us not to um, force us, but to convince us that Jesus truly came, that Jesus truly died and that the sin that is separate that separates mankind from God is the sin of not believing in Jesus, not believing in Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to send you to hell. You know, you're not going to go to hell because you drank too much. You're not going to go. I mean, it's not healthy for you to drink too much, but you're not going to go to hell because of that. You're not going to go to hell because you got angry too much or you or you had too much lust in your life. What sends a person to hell is the rejection of Jesus Christ, substitutionary sacrifice for your sins. They believed not in me. So the Holy Spirit is trying to convince us to believe he's here to convince you. So what causes the Holy Spirit to move in our lives? Believing, believing God's word, believing God's promises, believing that Jesus is enough. Now, I'll show you more about this, but let me say it to you this way. It is amazing to me. Let's talk about what's happening in the world today. Let's talk about the elephant in the room for a moment, can we? Because it it is amazing to me how people can live by faith, how people can live by faith without even realizing it. Do you know that right now in your home, you're living by faith in what the scientists told you, you're living by faith in what the virus is telling people you're living by. I'm not I'm not I'm not accusing you of anything bad. I'm just saying that. Look at how our actions. Are the result of what we believe, and if you can, if you can, if you can bear with me for a moment, again, I'm not being critical of anybody or anything. I'm trying to make I'm trying to illustrate the point about faith and living by faith. And that is that if you notice everybody's wearing a mask now. When they go into public places. Everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody's washing their hands till they're till they till their skin has changed colors. Right. All because listen to me now, all because we believe in an invisible thing that we've never seen called a virus. We believe in something that nobody has ever seen. Have you seen the virus? No, but you're wearing a mask. Have you seen the virus? No, but you're staying home. Have you seen the virus? No. But when you walk by somebody, you kind of walk a few feet away from them, right? As you walking down the sidewalk, you're like, you know, kind of casually trying to without them noticing, without being offensive. You notice how in our psyche we believe that this virus could be anywhere at any time. But when you get into trouble, you're like, God, where are you? We don't believe that God can be anywhere at any time, but we have more faith in the virus that can be anywhere at any time than we do of God. that can be anywhere at any time. And all I'm saying is, if you're going to believe in an invisible virus, believe in the invisible spirit of God, believe in the visible promises of God, believe in the in the invisible things that God said to believe in because that's what's going to cause you to experience peace and joy and victory in every area of your life where we walk by faith and not by sight. And we're walking by faith with a virus. Everybody's got their cool mask, the skeleton mask, the bank robber mask. You know, everybody's got being creative with their masks and in some ways having some fun with it. But, you know, but we take the scientists at their word. And yet, The scientists have changed their facts multiple times. This is not a political point that I'm making. This is just reality. Remember, they said masks won't help you at the beginning. And now they're saying masks are essential. Hey, listen to me now. If masks work, then we should all wear them and go back to life as we had it before. If they don't work, why are we wearing them? The point is, is that We're taking the scientists word. And yet we examine and question and doubt and challenge God's word. God, where are you? God, how are you going to meet all my needs? This is why we need to learn to live by faith. And this is why I'm illustrating this is that you keep you kept hearing the president. You kept hearing the governor. You kept hearing Fauci. You kept hearing these people tell you about an invisible thing that you've never even seen. And yet you have faith that it's everywhere all the time. And wherever you go, you may just run into it. And why don't we believe the same thing and even use this as a springboard to believe that his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life? Why don't we expect goodness and mercy to show up? We're expecting the virus to show up more than we're expecting the goodness and mercy of God to show up in our lives. All I'm trying to do is help illustrate to you how capable you are of believing and having faith. So don't now bail on believing God's promises when you believe a, a scientist that gives you inaccurate facts and then changes the facts and you then you believe him again. And, and I'm not criticizing. I'm saying, isn't it funny that their facts change and we believe them all along? And yet God's word never changes. And Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. So we should be believing him more than we're believing what the doctor says, more than we're believing what the scientist says. I'm not telling you that you have to doubt what the scientists have told you. All I'm pointing out is even when their facts changed, you adapted. And you believed them. If you did, how much more should you believe God? And if you didn't believe the science, okay, that's fine, because those facts change. So no wonder I don't have a ton of confidence in the government, but I have a whole lot of confidence in God's government, the kingdom of God, the love of God, the promises of God, the word of God. Can I get an amen across the aisles, across the living rooms, across the family rooms, across the kitchen, across You know, wherever you got the computer on your lap, God bless you, man. Um, So, does this make sense? Does this make sense? Look, how much more should we believe in the Spirit of God who's invisible, the promises of God that haven't shown up yet, the Word of God that we don't always see manifest yet, regardless of what we see? Look at John chapter 20, verse 29. Thomas. Jesus appears to the disciples. Thomas wasn't there after his resurrection. Thomas wasn't in the room. So he said, man, I don't believe you guys I'll have to see it to believe it. So Jesus walks in a second time a week later, I think a few days later. And here's what happens in John Chapter 20, verse twenty nine. Jesus says to Thomas, because you have seen me, have you believed now? Blessed are they who did not see, yet they believed. Blessed are they who did not see, yet they believed. Look at the amplified version of this Bible verse, John, Chapter 20, Verse twenty nine. Jesus said, because you've seen me, Thomas, do you now believe? Do you now trust? Do you now have faith, blessed and happy and to be envied are those who have never seen me and yet have believed and adhered to and trusted and relied on me. Jesus says the blessing, the happiness, a life that is worthy of being envied, a life that is worthy of being emulated comes to those who have never seen, yet they believe anyway. Maybe you haven't seen that promise come to pass yet, but you believe anyway. That's the sweet spot. Maybe you haven't seen the breakthrough that you're believing for, but you're believing still. That's that's the sweet spot. Maybe your body hasn't fully recovered from some sickness or disease yet, but you're believing that by His stripes you're healed. That's the sweet spot. That's where the blessing shows up. That's where happiness grows inside of you. That's where you become somebody that everybody wants to be like. That's what he means, that you'll be envied by other people. Other people will want your confidence. They'll want your courage. They'll want it because you believe even though you don't see, you say that's crazy. Is it crazy to believe God's promise, even though we haven't seen it? Is it that crazy because you're wearing a mask to protect from a virus that you haven't seen? And I'm not again, I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm just saying the facts keep changing. But God's word stays the same. God's word never changes. And that encourages me because I'm living by the word of God, not by what people say. I'm living by faith in what God said. And this is what pleases him. This is what this is, what thrills the heart of God for you to walk by faith and not by sight. Let me show you another verse that Jesus said. In remember, I shared this with you on Wednesday night, John 11, verse 40. Jesus says to Mary when he's going about to raise Lazarus from the dead, he said, hey, didn't I tell you? Didn't I say that if you believe you will see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you, if you believe you will see, he doesn't say if you see, you will believe, he says, if you believe you will see. The glory of God, man, the glory of God is God's power showing up, God's promises showing up, God's God's peace showing up, God's provision showing up. It's the glory of God is when remember the cloud showed up. That was the glory of God in the Old Testament. The glory of God in the New Testament is the promise showing up, the manifestation of your healing, the manifestation of your breakthrough, the manifestation of joy instead of sadness, peace instead of depression and anxiety. The glory of God is when the healing shows up. Believe it before you see it and you will see it. You will see, Jesus said, if you believe you will see. Whoa! that's living by faith. That's living by faith. Let's feed our faith. Let's starve our fears by feeding our faith. Let me show you something else. Second Corinthians five, seven, therefore, we walk by faith, not by sight. Therefore, we are of good courage, Verse eight says we're of good courage. Where does courage come from? Encouragement come from. It comes from walking by faith, not by sight. It comes by believing God, taking God in his word. What does it say? Verse seven. We walk by what? Say it. We walk by faith, not by. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by what faith, not by what sight. Therefore, we are of good courage. Why are people discouraged? They're walking by sight. They're looking at what, what it looks like, and oh, I'm so discouraged. Look at what it looks like, look at what the economy looks like, look what the sickness looks like, look at what my family looks like. Hey, let's walk by faith, let's take God at his word, let's believe God's promise. We took the doctor at his word, and it was wrong. We take, but when we take God at his word, we're never wrong. And courage is gonna rise up inside of you. Come on, where are my lions? Where are my wizard of odd lions with some courage? Courage. Hey. <laughs> look at look at what he says in second Corinthians 2 Corinthians four, verse thirteen. Watch this. Having the same what spirit of faith. OK. Now he's talking about the spirit of faith, but he uses the word spirit because he's saying the Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of faith. So we saw all the things that the Holy Spirit would do comfort us and and counsel us and help us and stand by us. But here's another thing the Holy Spirit will do is he will empower you to believe he gives faith. The spirit of God is the spirit of faith, believing, Therefore, I spoke, he said, I believed. Therefore, I spoke. You see, this is how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. The spirit of God moves by us believing and then us speaking and the Holy Spirit moves to bring it to pass. Let me show you how and we'll tie this together in the next few moments. But let me show you how to activate this power, how to activate the spirit of God in your life. Genesis one verse one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. And in the New American Standard Bible, it says. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving. New King James Version says the spirit of God was hovering. It's like a airplane that has not been given the the directive to land is circling. We've all been in an airplane that was circling. We thought we were landing and then it seemed like we went all the way around. What was that plane doing? That plane was hovering over the face of the airport. And only when the control tower said, OK, flight number you know, 1582, you're cleared for landing. Then when you get the when you get the, the voice, the word of the control tower, the plane land. the pilots land the plane. That's what this is. The Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the deep in in the New American Standard. If you guys can put that up, it says the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the deep, moving over the surface of the waters. So see, now we got the Holy Spirit moving, but not doing yet. We have the Holy Spirit hovering, but not doing yet. So what activated the Holy Spirit to do something here in Genesis chapter one, verse three. Then God said, what did he say? Let there be what? Let there be light. And what was what happened? There was light. God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God believed. Therefore, he spoke. Therefore, verse four says, and God saw. Notice this. God said. And then God saw God said, let there be light. And then God saw the light. Wow. God saw the light. God said, let there be light. God saw. What was the difference? The difference was the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep and hovering over the water and hovering over the 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 earth that was without form and void or the 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 universe without form and formless and void. The Spirit of God was moving over it, hovering over it, But the spirit of God didn't come in for landing until he got the direction from the control tower. And God said, let there be light. And as soon as he said it, there was light. And God saw. Did God see the light and then and then speak light. No, he said, let there be light. And then God saw God said it in verse three. God saw it in verse four. He said it in verse three. He saw it in verse four. He said it in verse three. He saw it in verse four. You're saying it in May. You're going to see it in June. You're saying it on Monday. You might see it on Tuesday. Listen, what we need to do is believe it, then speak it and we will see it. We will see. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.
0: Woo.
1: Uh, If you're in doubt, let me show you something. Verse four. God said it and God saw it. verse 10. Look at Genesis one, verse 10. Let me show you the pattern. Verse 10, Genesis, chapter one. And he says God called the dry land and the gathering of the waters. He called seas and God saw that it was good. First he called it and then he saw it. You're not convinced yet. Look at verse 12 again, the earth brought forth. God said in verse 11, let the earth sprout. God said it in verse 11 and in verse 12, God saw that it was good. Wow. Look at verse 18 in verse 18 verse um, in verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, etc." And then verse 18. To govern the day and the night to separate the light from the darkness and God saw, he said it and then he saw it this is the fourth time in verse 4 he said it and saw it in verse 10 in verse 12 in verse 18 and then in verse 21 and god verse 20 god said let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and verse 21 after their kind and every winged bird after its kind and god saw he said it and then he saw it in verse 25 verse 24 god said let the earth bring forth living creatures. Verse twenty five at the end. And God saw. God saw he said it and then he saw it. We say it and then we'll see it. You know, I want you to see this. You say, yeah, that that worked for God. But can that work for us? Well, in Acts chapter 10, verse forty four, Peter spends forty three verses. Speaking the word speaking the word, speaking the word. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to these words as you're speaking God's word, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on your situation. Speak God's word over your body. The Holy Spirit's going to manifest and fall on your body. He was already in you, but he's going to show up and the glory is going to show up and the answer is going to show up. The manifestation is going to show up while Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to these words. What is the point when God spoke? God saw when Jesus spoke, Jesus saw when Peter spoke, Peter saw. And the Holy Spirit fell not in a bad way he came into the situation he manifested his presence in that situation and boy if he'll do it for peter he'll do it for you you see the bible says that the angels in psalm i think it's 107 no psalm 103 verse 20 it says angels are listening for the voice of god's word you see We have to rise up as sons and daughters in Romans 831. How do we rise up in maturity? When I when I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, Paul said, I spoke as a man. Look at what he says in Romans 831. What then shall we say to these things? We got too many people talking about these things. And God wants us to talk to these things. If God before us who can be against us. God is for me. What shall we say to these things? See, this is how the Holy Spirit moves. You speak God's word. The Spirit of God goes to carry out that word and he gets angels going, carrying out the word. We believe it. We speak it and we will see it if we believe it before we see it, we will see it one day, maybe today. Maybe tomorrow, it doesn't matter because what doesn't happen today, God can make up for tomorrow. If it doesn't show up tomorrow, God can make up for it in a year. God can make up for it in one moment. God can make up for years of frustration, years of discouragement, years of sickness, years of lack, years of fear, years of anxiety, years of worry in one moment. When does that moment happen? That's in God's hands. What's in our hands, our words? What 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 can we do about it? Believe it. Speak it. And God is watching over his word. Jeremiah 1:12. He's watching over his word to perform it. He's watching over when he sees and hears his word being spoken from your mouth. He is watching over his word to bring it to pass. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. We walk by faith, not by sight. This is how God does it. This is how he's always done it. We understand Hebrews 11, verse three says, for by faith, we understand by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that what is seen was made out of things which are not seen. What is seen was not made out of things you could see. Everything that is seen was made out of things you couldn't see. God's word is how we frame our life, frame our future. It's how we frame the world that God intends us to walk in. Our words frame the world so that what it, what we will eventually see is made out of things that you couldn't see. How can you speak God's word? And then these things happen because God frames things out of things that are not visible. And brings to pass the thing that you can see because you used the material that was invisible to produce the the end result that becomes visible. Boy, I hope that makes sense to you. God's word. Heaven and Earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Let's pray together. I want to pray for those. I want to pray for everybody, so I want to pray for. First, for those that are not saved, if you've never received Jesus Christ, as your savior and Lord, can I tell you something? There's nothing you can do to get saved through your behavior, your changing your your works for by grace were saved through faith. You know, there's nothing you can do to add to God's love for you. But you know what you can do? You can receive it. There's nothing you can do to add to God's salvation that he wants you to have. But you know what you can do? You can receive it. How do you receive it? If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Would you pray with me? Would you get one of your loved ones who needs Jesus to pray this with me? Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Just say that I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. And I receive forgiveness through the blood of Jesus from this moment forward. I'm a child of God. Amen. It's that simple. All the angels in heaven rejoice. When one one person is saved, if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, would you let me know so I can give you this gift? I've got a book called The Power of A New Life. I want to send it to you as my gift to you. It's the next steps in this walk with God, the power of a new life. I have one right here just so you can see what it's like. You can download it anybody can download this for free. But if you'd like to get a physical copy, if you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, and Lord, I'll send this to you as my gift to you. I want you to help. I want to help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, I pray for each and every one of you to experience a revelation of how the Holy Spirit moves, a revelation of how powerful you are and your words are and how faithful God is. I pray you would see how faithful God is to you now and always will be. Faithful is he. Let's sing about him for a moment or two and just worship him as we close. your faith today in His faithfulness. He's not faithful to you because you're faithful. He's faithful to you because He's faithful. Don't put your faith in your faithfulness. Put your faith today in His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. And even in those moments, and we've all had them, when we feel faithless, He remains faithful. And he who began a good work in you, he is faithful to finish what he started. Everything is going to be all right. I want you to say that. Say, everything is going to be all right. God is faithful to watch over his word, to bring it to pass in Jesus' name. Believe it. Speak it and you will see it in Jesus name. I love you guys. See you Wednesday night for our next Bible study service, but we'll meet every day for our daily bread as often as you walk. God bless, we'll see you next time. I love you guys.
0: God bless. Hey everyone, we hope you enjoyed that powerful message. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast for more amazing messages like what you just heard. You can also search for Gregory Dickout on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter for tons of great content throughout the week.